0: Welcome to Drinking During Business Hours, where we have interesting conversations over a great bottle of wine. Drinking is optional, so sometimes my guest doesn't drink, and they just watch me drink. That's fine, too. I'm Sarah Halstead, your host. Support the show by subscribing, following, liking, and reviewing our episodes. Check out my website, Sarah J. Halstead, for my latest stand updates and social media links. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Drinking During Business Hours. Thanks so much for tuning in. It is a beautiful day here in sunny Los Angeles, not a cloud in the sky. And per usual, we're in the basement with no windows. There's no other place we'd rather be. I have, for the first time, I have a co-host with me today. Hello, Rich Chasler.
1: Hi, Sarah Halstead.
0: Thanks so much for joining and you know, being a co-host and who knows, maybe we'll do this more often. Well,
1: thanks for having me come in and do it with you. I'm excited.
0: And I'm excited, very, very excited for our guest today. We have Danny Robinson, Senior Vice President of APA. Hi, Danny. Good morning. Thanks or so much. Whatever time you're it's it's, Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're, you know, Pacific time. It's still morning here, but we have people tuning in from all over Thanks so much for your time and being here and, uh, oh, oh, we do want to give a shout out. We are drinking something really interesting, aren't we?
1: Yes, we, we're drinking a uh, Vionnet, is the grape we're drinking today, and it comes from uh, San and Wines, which is actually part of the Ribley Wine Family. Mm-hmm. And um, we got this bottle last weekend while we were at a wine event. Yeah, and we met a wonderful gentleman from Ribley Wines named Terry Cruz. So we want to give a shout out to Terry Cruz and to Ribley Wines and the whole family there for making really such great wine.
0: And not the Terry Crews from... He's a damn fine host. I'm <laughs> <laughs> exactly a different Terry Crews. That,
1: wouldn't that be great if Terry Crews, the actor, was was uh, was moonlighting as a wine rep? On <laughs> the, the way
0: here,
2: I passed Trejo's uh, Coffee and Donuts. So Right. Know. But oh, d- man, Danny's not really out there going, you're going to buy my
0: wine. <laughs> true. Can't beat Trejo's. And Terry Crews is from my hometown of Flint, Michigan. Oh, there <laughs> that we interesting? The so actor, go. Crews, the, the
1: actor rep, not Terry Crews, not the wine rep Terry Crews. Thank you,
0: Terry Crews wine professional yes for for giving us this really lovely bottle yes and it's really good too yeah so so danny robinson so we know each other through rich obviously right. you two are very good friends, friends. A long time. yeah friends for a long long time and uh rich and i rich invited me to your super bowl party and uh yeah <laughs> let's you, just talk about it that where was you uh
2: won every pot but one i think yeah i,
0: think I did I, yeah. I have pretty good luck with numbers and uh yeah rich asked me to choose some numbers it it's, was... it,
2: it's a, a a contest where there's no skill involved it's picky of course. boxes right Thanks so
0: much you know. danny They do it. <laughs> The
1: squares well, for the I
0: football know Super Bowl. One, 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 so, you know.
1: The truth of that day was really funny, actually. Uh, I asked her to come because, you know, I had met her and was interested in her, and, you know, I'd never, ever brought anybody to your uh, world-famous Super is Bowl party true? before. Okay, I well, I brought was. Claude once, but that doesn't really count. And he didn't look as good in a dress. No, and he, <laughs> yeah. and he had a kid with him.
2: That's right, he did he have a kid with him, right. You know, but so I
1: asked Sarah, and I don't even mm. think she liked me at the time. I think she just wanted to come to the Super Bowl party. I liked you. go the party. <laughs> yeah.
0: I liked you. I really wanted to meet Danny Robinson. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's like, really? Danny, you're inviting me to Danny Robinson's house? Uh, yeah. Um, and then I, I arrived, and you were just so cute in your hat. And, you know So that was, yeah, that was when I think the, the romance started. But Danny, you're just fascinating, and you were so hospitable, and everyone there was so, so cool. It's a fun group to come. So it I'm, was. Yeah,
2: it's a bunch that have been coming for years, and yeah,
0: it just. You, and know, you have, yeah, thank different you. Different mix of wacky people. A beautiful you, home, great wines. Thank you. And before
1: food. before we get into it's it funny with how you, decent wines. You, 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 you have very have, decent you wine. You have
2: really good wine, yeah, but yes, I, I have good taste in wines. I just don't drink. You, you don't drink, <laughs>
0: right? But you do have, and and I try to like give you. We try to give you wine whenever we see you, just because no, great, just for yeah. for you to have because you like to entertain. Although yeah.
2: little by little, I'm drinking. Very, very little, but I mean, for me, it's an, almost a teetotaler. Uh, ales. Oh,
0: good for oh, you. Oh, I, good I for had, you. I have
2: one. I had one at uh, oh, I was at the uh, at an event, uh, Latitudes, this amazing Latino convention a week ago. And after the show, we were staying overnight in San Diego. So as they said, we were sitting there with the cast and the people and a lot of the performers. And they said, You want something to drink? And I thought, Oh, yeah, okay, I'll have an ale. Why not? So you, you had great. yourself a cold beverage, I had a cold beverage, great. Good I like it. And you, nice so, nice before refreshing. we
1: get into this, you know, you came to Danny's Super Bowl party, but what you didn't know at the time was that you and Danny actually share mutual yes. friends. Yes.
0: Yes. Oh, we do. Yes. Yeah. Very uh, dear Mindy A. Bear.
2: Mindy and Eric yes. and Eric. Love them so.
0: Yeah. They they. I've known Brilliant Eric. Brilliant artist. Yes. Yeah. I've known Eric for about twenty two years because of the wine industry, and then he. I remember when he told me he met a rock star, and I thought he was speaking. Uh, metaphorically right <laughs> <laughs> you know we kind of use that word loosely oh yeah but no he literally met yeah. a rock star and yeah. married her Mindy Abair, one of the best saxophonists in the world absolutely oh, amazing oh she and, so I, she and I go
2: back to years ago when Adam Sandler did his big rock and roll tour right okay. we together and and uh, Mindy was the backup singer and sax player.
0: Oh my, yeah, she has a great voice, and yeah. she uh, she's usually she usually has a cameo in every Adam Sandler film. Yeah, I noticed, she, yeah. and I love that. I yeah, just, he, he
2: Adam uses all his people. All the, yeah, he That's loves doing that, but yeah, great. He loves, and every time, even when he puts the band together just for like goofy stuff because he hasn't done a tour the band in a thousand years Right, he always calls Mindy you know she's available she comes in and plays
1: she's really nice yeah. I, I met her at one of your Super Bowl yeah, parties yeah. and she was really nice Wow.
0: yeah you've represented some of the most iconic music and, and comedy um, professionals entertainers in the world yeah
2: for, through the years it's been really wonderful yeah
0: yeah so well let's go back to the beginning if you don't mind because your, your story is fascinating and I, I only know little little, little bits bit of it PC, I yeah. exactly so this is kind of fun for me we get to really hear the, the yeah. Danny Robinson story so so sit
1: back everybody <laughs> sit back pour <laughs> sit cold back. beverage
0: exactly <laughs> <laughs> sit back put your iPads on um, so where where I was,
2: I was born in Virginia New okay. Canoes uh, my folks were both born and raised in that in the Hampton Roads area, as it's known. Mm. And uh, and then my dad Beautiful. started uh, on the road with Jimmy Dorsey's orchestra when he was 16, 15. Wow. And, yeah, he and he and his dancing partner was not my mother at the time. Um, uh, Neely Bain was uh, uh, they were the Virginia State Jitterbug champions so they used to dance all over the place and, oh, and the, band, the big bands in those days would come down and play the bandstand there and my folks would dance and they were like local celebs so people would like make circles around them because they were really my dad was very flashy so cool flamboyant yeah well Jitterbug is pretty flamboyant and uh, and uh, Jimmy didn't know, they didn't know this but the Jimmy at the time because the Jitterbug was becoming the biggest thing <clears throat> was looking for a young Dance team to come on the road with him, and he looked down and he said to his road manager at the time, Bullet Sturgum, who later on became a very famous agent, was a brilliant man, lovely man, character, and who's a little guy, literally like five inches shorter than me, and bald head, and uh, he said, find out those kids, you know, I think that that's exactly what I want on the road. So he went down, and my dad, st- my dad was a, as you know, was a bit of a wise butt, and, uh, <laughs> and, and tapped him on the shoulder. My dad turns around, there's this little guy, and he goes, uh, you guys were great. But he says, oh, but thank you. He says, uh, I manage uh, Jimmy Dorsey, and Jimmy would like to meet you. And my dad thought, "You know, yeah, right. right. So he, one of his friends had set him up. So he goes, well, if Jimmy wants to meet me, tell him to come down here. <laughs> so he goes back, he goes, the guy doesn't believe you'll want to meet him. So Jimmy comes down walks up behind him, taps him on the shoulder and says, uh, bud? Yeah, and he says, hi, Jimmy Dorsey. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he, went on the, he, he nearly went on the road for a year and a half or so. Wow. Yeah, and then he uh, came back and uh, started dating my mom. Who was also a dancer? And they... no, no, I mean, no, I mean, yes, she was a dancer, but then she was just, a cute girl in Virginia. Okay, and they've known each other dad. since like third grade or fourth grade. Right, uh-huh. so my whole small area. And uh, in fact, my dad dated uh, her sister before my mom, who was a year year younger than my mom.
1: That is very typical of your dad. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
2: So he, uh, so he, and my mom started going out, and they then they moved. They got married, then they moved to New York, and my dad was going to the, be a dancer, song and dance guy. And my mom was an executive secretary. She was having, she was loving her life. She was fine. She was doing having a good time. Mm-hmm. And the guy who was putting my dad's act together, uh, uh, Bobby Van's father. Yeah. Wow, an old reference. Mm-hmm. Um, said met my mom, and he said, he says your wife's really cute and great personality. He says, can she dance? My dad says, yeah, she's a good dancer. He says, but jinx, she'd want to dance with you. And he goes, I don't never asked her why. He says, well. Double acts get paid more. Mm. You'll be able to be a, together instead of you being on the road for weeks and months right. at a time. And if you have a family, you could bring the family. You know, he says, man, it's a good idea. So we went back, talked to my mom. and She went, yeah, let's give it a shot. <laughs> so she went in that one day and gave her two weeks' notice.
0: I and, love and that. Other, that is so said, romantic. We'll see in six
2: months, you know, and uh, never stopped. They- that's wow. awesome. Now, yeah. did,
0: did you hear that Rich Double axe, get paid more?
2: Well, yes. that's good for Danny
0: to know, <laughs> so he can. <laughs> <dance>. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I actually
1: can tap dance. You know, that's true. You can. I, I can I, tap I, dance.
0: I have yet to see. I want to see that. That I is really a true. Do. I yeah. can t- t- get they, you some uh, tap shoes. They, they did that,
2: and then they went on the road. And and then when when I came along, um, I was. They packed my toys, and I was on the road with them from the day I was born until. Not and that was, that was so <laughs> that, that that was that childhood. Being was on, the childhood, road. on the road, absolutely. Boarding schools when I, when it was school time. So I was in boarding schools from first grade through college. Oh, never never lived at home. and went to school. Nice. Yeah, it's, I think
1: it's kind of cool to go to boarding school. It gets you used to being able to live on your own well, and be with. Yes, I, home. I
2: tell that to everybody. Uh, you know. You don't have to send your kids to boarding school, but send them away at some point, summer camp. I don't care what uh, it is. Uh, that was me. Because it learn, it teaches them to be independent and not be able to... It's a little different now than when I did it because now even if you send your kids away to summer camp with cell phones, they can call yeah. you know, 47 million times.
1: We got one... I went for summer camp uh, in New Hampshire and I would go for two months at a pop. Yeah. And every summer, my parents sent me from Long Island up to New Hampshire and you only got...
2: A phone call weekly. Yeah, Oh yeah. <laughs> it was like prison.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we had a we had a phone it. booth, and I could talk to my folks maybe t- once or twice a week, maybe. Yeah, we had a phone a booth. Phone booth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, things. it teaches you. It teaches. I was independent. I mean, I I made my bed starting at six years old. Like, learned how to make hospital calls. Me too. Mm. You know, so yeah. It, it, it did teach me. Great independence at a really early age. Oh, yeah. But, um, and structure. Yeah. But then I was always, but then on the road. Yeah. Yeah. But then I was on the road, uh, when I was, you know, until I was 16. Then I started in a mailroom, but it was fun. I mean, you know.
0: So the mailroom, I do know this story actually, uh, but I want to hear it again. It's so great. So, so APA
1: didn't exist clearly when you started in the mailroom what agency Oh, no were, no
2: they were they existed they, the APA started in 62. In oh really oh, okay. when MCA when MCA when the government busted MCA right uh, for being a monopoly mm-hmm. and, and a trust um, they basically had to get rid of something to you know, not be an, a, a, a monopoly so they dissolved the world's biggest agency which mm. was MCA. And my mm. folks were part of MCA, right? And some of the uh, key members of MCA formed APA. Ah, that's how. That was our six about two uh, two month and a half ago, or so it was our sixtieth anniversary. Oh wow, what but, a feat! Um,
0: so now- they
2: were around um, when I started, but I started at Ashley Famous Agency, which then was uh, Ted Ashley left, became out west. This is in New York. Came out west to head up Warner Brothers and Marvin Josephson bought the company and made it IFA. Marvin Josephson. Mm. And then I worked at IFA until IFA and CMA merged. This was right after I finished college. IFA and CMA merged and became ICM. Mm -hmm. And I was at ICM for, then I transferred from New York to LA um, with ICM, and that's where I started out here.
0: Now, did you dance when yes. you were – you did? Okay. Yeah, my first paying job was dancing. I would imagine. You would have to. It's just in the blood. It was yeah, the DNA. Yeah, I have my folks,
2: and I would dance on their show. And when I was 13, I did a whole summer tour with – I think it was Lincoln Mercury or Motorola. <laughs> I should <know> that. <laughs> industrial shows. And they would do the, the industrial show in the morning <clears throat> for all the uh, dealers. And it was a fully scripted Broadway show. I mean it was a full-on original music. Everything. Choreography. Nice. Wow. And then at night, they would have the dinner where then the dealers would bring their wives or husbands. So back in those days, it was 90% guys bringing right. their wives. Um, and the people that were in the cast that also did nightclub performances would do their act. And I went on the road the whole summer. I did a piece in the morning show with my mother. And then I did a couple of numbers with my folks in the evening show
0: fun so just a, a natural entertainer and when you're 16 at no, this I was point
2: 13 at that oh, oh,
0: oh okay so at that time so starting performing at a young age but when you when you got to the mailroom when you were 16 yeah. did you have aspirations at that time like did you kind of know what you wanted to no, do
2: i was just looking for <laughs> it's just, i had a great time on the road my folks were the greatest people in the world. We had a great relationship. Everything was fine. But I was 16, and I'd been on the road. I'd been practically every 50 states and, you know, England and stuff. It was wonderful. Uh, And met amazing people that I were friends with to this day, actually. And um, But it was hard meeting girls when you're sitting in a room with your mother and father (laughs) (laughs) in Vegas or in Des Moines. (laughs) And a 16-year-old boy, it's like, okay. I lived in New York City. I'm like, this is the coolest city in the world, and I'm 16, and I get a summer job. So my folks were actually out west having dinner with a couple of their friends' agents, Alan Bregman and roger no roger was in new york it was mainly alan and a couple other people and they were saying danny's looking to not come out with this next year he wants to get a job and they went well would you want to work in a mailroom?" my folks go eh, probably no so they called me from la here and they and i got on the phone with alan who was a dear family friend and, um and you know, he said would you want to work in the mailroom i'll set you up with arthur Treve, who's the who was the manager the office manager he was very very well known guy um for MCA and then he came over to APA when MCA broke right. up. I mean, to IFA and then ICM and all that. And he, <clears throat> and he said, would you wanna work in the mailroom? they actually famous. I'm like, sure, what does it pay? And they said, 70 bucks a week. I went, I'm in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, a lot of people don't know that when you wanna get into the entertainment industry on the uh, what they call the other side of the camera, yeah. And you go to an agency. You start in the mailroom. Oh, yeah. It's like everyone. being the busboy.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the best place to start. You learn everything under the sun. And you meet every you meet agent
1: and everyone and you, in the building. You,
2: then, then all those many of those people, you know, you know, a third of them maybe a quarter of them stay agents, but the rest go on to do become producers, writers, directors, managers, right. studio executives, network executives. Mm-hmm. So you get your whole network starts at that level. But men, I'd say majority of them started in a mailroom. But I, in fact, my first summer, I actually wasn't even an official mailroom guy. I was the messenger in the mailroom.
1: <laughs> so you didn't push the cart around I yet. didn't push
2: the cart I took the shit around town. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, and back in those days, and you had to wear New York City in the summer, had to wear a jacket, sports jacket, shirt and tie. Oh, my. And we had to I'd walk. I mean, now and again, you could jump on the subway, and if it was a really long one, you'd, they'd let you take a cab. But 90% of it was walking. And I'm you're carrying those Mailbags. Well, Ooh. no, no, just packages. But a lot of times back in those days, you'd have to take um, the kinescope, not the kinescopes, the big things of tapes, so the big, oh, heavy shit, yeah. and, and walk them to wherever, Paramount or whatever. And I would come back. back. I come back in the office. <laughs> I would have sweat through my sports jet. I mean, it was <laughs> brutal, oh, you know, those... July and August oh, Right. Oh, in New oh, York City. Man. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. It was nuts. And but they... it was great. I mean, great, great. I mean, Friends of mine to this day, when I'm, I'm still, I, st- I still know the man who was there, Ron Rainey, who's a legendary agent and, and one of my favorite people in the world, um, was my boss. He, had, he was heading the mailroom at the time. I was 16. He was 24.
0: <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I started in the wine industry in New York City, and ah. they did not have wheels on wine bags. So I would be calling wow. on these accounts very similar. I can relate. Oh, I yeah. also sweat through my suit jacket uh, carrying a, a heavy bag of like 12 bottles, oh, yeah, you know, which is I mean, that adds up. And walking around the city, and I, I remember, and then finally, a, a trip scholar, and hit something, it breaks. oh, yeah, that I've had that happen a couple of times, but finally, someone said, let's make a wine bag with wheels. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, when I was 20 years old, and I started doing stand-up comedy, and I was going to New York a lot, I would go in the summer times, and uh, they didn't even have wheels on luggage. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. No. Wait, not in the 80s. I my the I, 80s was tour, I was
2: always carrying Samsonite
1: <laughs> carrying <laughs> heavy luggage I, I through a, New I, York. I,
2: I got as a gift years and years and years ago uh, um, from Michelob. Uh, this beautiful black leather to me luggage. It was a big right. l- luggage and then a suitor, you know, that you could go up your shoulder. The Val pack. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was great. It was beautiful. It was great. I used it for years. I mean, it, you couldn't kill it with a stick. And... <laughs> But it was in that one time, then one summer, I had to go to a wedding, and then in in Nebraska, to my friend, dear friend Jackie uh, Kanabi's wedding, uh, and and then went from there. We had just, no, first had to go to um, Branson for a show, and then to Jackie's for the wedding, and then we went up to Montreal for the festival, and then I came back. So I was gone for almost two weeks, and I'm lugging this crap everywhere, the, mm. the, and I I was dying. My shoulder was killing me. And I got home, and this is the wheels-on luggage. had just right. started a couple years earlier, and I was like, "And it was, and it was a long weekend." And I got home early on a Sunday morning. And I dropped the leather bags, and I was, oh, my shoulder's killing me. This is this is ridiculous. Just pass out. Open up the paper <laughs> before computers. Open up the paper <laughs> and look for the ads at Macy's and Robinson's right. and all that shit. Of, you know, all these ads, you know, the ads for sales and luggage. And I went. I'm going. I literally went down. I think I went to Macy's yeah. and got a bag with wheels. It's an investment. Took the rest of the shit the Done. Done. Yeah. Can you never imagine
1: again. all these people today traveling, the younger ones who have no idea, like oh, walking through the airport, holding yeah. oh, we yeah. your luggage up? We oh,
2: didn't yeah. have wheels on our bags. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we had <to> push <laughs> buttons on phones. We had to dial it. We had a yeah,
0: yeah. Damn paper. But, uh, um, yeah, but, I, I, that was, yeah. So. So the mailroom. So what? What? How did you crescendo out of the mailroom? Well, I, I was
2: I was the mailroom from the rest of high school, and then through college, every summer they kept asking me back, which was very nice. So I got to so all the were... people and you know, all the different departments. And um, when I finished co- uh, finished school, I went in the mailroom, you know, full time. And uh, then when I was very, I uh, was uh, still huge into music, and I was. You know, gigantic, And we had a great music department. And um, so I, I moved out of the music department, became an assistant for uh, Chuck Ramsey, one of my favorites, and a great, great man who taught me tons. And uh, I was his assistant, and and uh, worked my way up from there. And then IFA and CMA merged and became uh, ICM. And a lot of my, my folks had moved out from New York to L.A. like two or three years earlier. And a lot of my friends had come out to L.A. and I was like, eh, maybe time to move out to L.A. Single, you know, right. yeah. 26 years old, whatever it was. And um, so I, I said, you know, I'm gonna go to California. And they said, well, would you mo- work for us in California? I went, sure, great." so they, they transferred to California. You. So, and I went back in the mail, I was an assistant already at that point. I went, there was not an opening right away. So I went back in the mail room for a few months when I came to LA, and then I moved back out into the music department,
0: and that's right at
1: ICM.
2: At
0: ICM, right? Yeah. Wow. So, uh, uh, at that time, are are you aware of the enormity of ICM? I mean, are you like feeling pretty high in life? Oh, I, yeah.
2: Or? I mean, we weren't the biggest agency. Uh, William Morris was. The William biggest. Morris was. Oh the yeah. Biggest. William Morris okay. was the biggest in those days.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, but ICM we, was we
2: like were, that. No, was... we, were, we were very big as well. Obviously, we were probably number two next to William Morris. There was no CAA or UTA or any of that stuff yet. Um, So um, yeah, I mean I did, it was great. And I, I, you know, fortunately I liked the people I worked with and everything was all good. And I I started as a rock and roll agent, yeah. And you were working with my friend's
1: dad, Jay Jacobs at the time.
2: Never worked with Jay, but I knew Jay. And Jay and my dad were really good friends.
1: And he was repping people like Diana Ross and Crosby, Stills and and Nash and yeah, yeah. yeah. That must have been a hell of a time to be in the music industry.
2: Yeah, it was. It was. I had a great time. I, I mean, I used, go, we, I used to go to every show on the planet. I mean, we would just... The Academy of Music on 14th Street was like everybody's mother used to right. play there. And I saw so many great shows there. And, you know, you know, look, for early 20s kid just out of college who's a big music nut, to be working in a music department, you get free albums. Mm-hmm. You get to go free to concerts. It was like... That's a dream job. Definitely VIP yeah,
0: access is, too, I would imagine. Oh, like you're hanging phenomenal. with the band. Oh yeah, and... we were always backstage. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was it was great. So, and, uh, oh, I'm sorry. What what are some of the concerts that you would attend? Like oh, who? we
2: worked with Aerosmith. You know, wow. they just I mean Herb Spar, who was one of the most amazing people I ever knew, who was the head of the, the bicoastal Coastal head of the music department. for ICM it had come from running um, Bill Graham's agency, and, right, and Millard, I think it was called. Yeah, and um, I had just finished being in school in Boston, and he sits me one day. He says, "Danny, he says, uh, you didn't, you just, you've been in Boston the last bunch of years." I go, "Yeah." He goes, "You know this band, Aerosmith?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, they were you know a local superstars in Boston." And I went, "Oh yeah, they're great. These guys are amazing." He goes, "Yeah, used to Columbia signed them, I and they 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 called me and want us to put them on the road. You know, what do you think?" I go. They're awesome, yeah. They're they're amazing, they're, they're <laughs> amazing, and uh, so yeah. He Herb signed them, and so we were you know I see a million of their shows. Wow, back in the days when they don't remember doing the shows. Right.
0: <laughs> is there and I I actually met them once uh, backstage. Well, I uh, Hollywood Vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, they I've went to a Hollywood Vampire show and yeah. I met them backstage. And but is there is there anyone that. Is so completely opposite of their persona on stage. Like, is there's actually a it? lot of people like that. I mean, yeah.
2: most most people on stage are, um, mm-hmm. just in a, a, a broader expression of themselves, especially in the comedy world. Um, but in music, yeah, uh, men and women that are like you know, big time rock and rollers or jazz people, whatever. Or Mindy's an example of that, and Mindy's an amazing performer on stage. She a is phenomenal big. musician. Yeah. But when you just when you're just hanging out with her, she's like, you wouldn't even know she was in the music. Right. Games, yeah, you know? yeah. She's just easy and smart and, oh. and fun, and and yeah. uh, I remember we worked with Ann Murray for years and years and years. Oh, and I love One Anne of the loveliest Marie. people. Right. One of the most pure voices I want to hear. Oh yeah. And she was, you know, I mean, she wasn't a dynamo on stage, and you know, like you know, like in Steve Tyler's like that. But she was wonderful, and she looked great, and she sang her butt off, and she. The audience loved her, and you go backstage after the show, and she'd be sitting on the couch, her feet up with a Moosehead beer, and that was oh, that was Anne. She was just that's cool. That. She's the loveliest lady, and uh, oh, I, I, I was love loved. That. That she that she has two or three kids, I think. I yeah. know at least two, maybe even three, and she has an amazing home up in Nova Scotia. And every summer, from end of June till right about Labor Day. They were in Nova Scotia, and she was mom. Mm-hmm.
0: They played,
2: went to the beach, cooked dinner, cooked right. lunch. There. Priorities. That was it. And we couldn't – she said nothing. And this is when she was making a ton of money.
0: Really in and, demand. And, and
2: all, all the big fairs wanted her who paid big dollars. Right. Mm-hmm. And we get calls from some of you the know, Michigan State Fair, Minnesota State, whatever, and they'd say, you know – We'll send a private plane for her, she can fly in Saturday morning, do the show Saturday night, we'll get her on a plane first thing Sunday morning and she can be home for lunch on Sunday. And she'd go, oh, that, tell them that's very nice, but Sunday morning I'm making pancakes. Right. <laughs> I love yeah, that. Yeah, she would not do it. Yeah. So
1: so let's talk then, because you mentioned you know, the comedian's um, uh, persona on stage. How did you transfer or make the segue from going, being a music in music to well, going knew, to comedy, I
2: knew a ton of the comedians because being on the road with my mom and dad, there were always comedians on the bill, and a lot of them were the comedians were the headliners too that my folks worked with. Mm. So I knew from you know Myron Cohen and those, and Alan King was a dear mm-hmm. family friend and stuff like that. So I I always loved comedy. And then the improv in New York, um, my dad and I and mom and I used to go all the time, Bud Freeman, still a very, very close friend. So I was in, you know, when oh, I wasn't but. at a, when I wasn't at the bitter end, I was at the improv, you know. Right. So. Um, Hollywood improv. No, no New the York New York improv. improv. Oh, New York all, improv. New York. On 39th Street. I didn't get out okay. here until I was 26, ah. I think. Twenty six. Twenty okay. Yeah, 25, so the, 26, something like that. So so, so you, this is all New York, yeah. These are the and, relationships um, yeah, and, from New York. Uh, and, com, you know, there were comedians, obviously, and, you know and like that but there was not a comedy business right there were no comedy clubs even the improv and catch rising star started as just entertainment clubs not comedy clubs Bette midler started at the improv right that's how bud ended up managing her in the very beginning um rick newman managed uh, pat benatar through all of her big years because she used to come and sing a catch
1: right so mm-hmm. and a lot of the people from
2: broadway would come and sing in those clubs and stuff so they were not even then, they were not "quote unquote" comedy clubs. They were, they became comedy clubs because there were so many comedians starting to come up, and it was cheaper <laughs> than having a piano player. Mm-hmm. All you needed was a you know a mic and a stool, and that was it. Yeah. So, um, and more independent. So, so I was new those people. So, um, when I came over to APA, doing colleges and clubs and all that, and I was doing variety television, doing booking all the game shows and talk shows and specials and all that jazz and uh um comedy was starting to rear its head in a big way we represented rodney dangerfield steve martin mm-hmm. andy kaufman martin so this Hall. is like
1: the mid 70s at this point yes
2: this is uh, late 70s 79 80s. gotcha and um and so i started working with them you know i i knew andy from before I got to APA. Right. I got very close with Martin Mull, who is one of the greatest artists in both maze, not only as an actor and a comedian, but as an artist artist, he's yeah. absolutely brilliant. And um, and Steve is a genius to this day, and Rodney, who's was a- Rodney. Rodney <laughs> was Rodney. And so and, and Elaine Boozler was at the agency too, who I knew Elaine from before that too. So um, I was doing the comedy, with a couple other people as well at the company, but then over the next the next five years or so is when the comedy boom really started. Right, and in, uh, clubs started to open up, and evening at the Improv went on the air. So all of a sudden, America got to see what the inside of a comedy club was. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody ever heard that term before. Or definitely hadn't seen what goes yeah. on there. Mm-hmm. So when that show hit the air around the country, you know. A disco was dying, and a lot of the dance clubs. It was cheaper for them to bring comedians in. Like you said, it was a stool and a mic, right? You know? mm-hmm. And and they they got great crowds. because People wanted to come and see comedy. So a lot of the clubs in those days, when you go around the country, they they would like at midnight after the second show, they would open it up for dancing again, and there would still be the disco balls, right? There, you know, um, but. Um, that's and hardcore. That, and yeah. the, the improv
1: on Melrose when Bud opened it was prior to that was the was, Ash, a, Ash Grove, was the Ash Grove which was a room. big music room, yeah. big jazz and yeah. blues club yeah. on Melrose.
2: Yeah. So it started, you know. And then HBO started doing some specials, and Showtime started doing some specials. And then all of a sudden, I was I was I was more involved with variety television and with the comedians, even though I love loved and do love music that was really that was blossoming and no major agency had a comedy division i mean there was no need to to be perfectly honest but we were getting so busy myself and my my dear friend lou vaielda who was my counterpart in new york we're like this is nuts i mean we're, we're you know we do have time to do our music stuff anymore mm. so i went into marty klein who was our president so we got to right. start a Comedy division. So he said, "Okay, here you go. It's yours." Wow.
0: So, yeah. yeah. So that was you. That's that was pretty much it. your inception yeah, Lou, of yeah. the comedy division, and it sounds like it, it just sort of organically amalgamated music yeah. and comedy. Um, Both well, did the same
2: thing. Yeah. I mean, people always said to me, "What's the difference between the you know music and comedy?" Well, I go, "Fewer trucks." Fewer
0: mm-hmm. trucks. I mean, it's, it's really a, all it's it is. You're a little more you're, you're playing
2: You're playing. I mean, many comedians also play rock clubs, but you right. know, mm-hmm. before there was comedy clubs, but even today. But a rock club gig and a comedy club gig are, in essence, the same thing. Then you move up to small halls, medium halls, bigger halls, Madison Square Garden, right. the hell it might be. And uh, even though you made comedy records and those became popular again, too, comedy specials sort of became comedy's version of a gold record or a platinum album. So, you know, like if you had a HBO or Showtime special, that was like almost having a gold record. And then if you had two or three, that was like getting a platinum record. So, it was, you know, it, it was a correlation with music in essence. And um, so, and your same promoters, you know, once you got out of the comedy clubs, it was the same promoters booking comedy and music. Right. If it was in a music hall or whatever it might be. So it really, it's the same muscle. It's just dealing with different people and, and you know, um, Looking at the, the film television aspect as well, whereas music, although music is very film and television oriented today, back then most musicians were still album two or album two or album two right. They'd, you know, they do a guest. They do a guest spot on a Tonight Show or a Saturday Night Live. Or the Partridge family, family, you would
1: see like, well, party, oh, well, like you know, the Partridge
2: Family was a you know became a TV show. That's how it right. became. But you would yeah.
1: see musicians like guesting oh, on yeah, the yeah, Partridge yeah. Family yeah. and other know? shows
2: too. I mean, here, right. know, I remember my all-time favorite artist is Harry Nilsson, and he did a guest star on uh, The Ghost and Mrs. Muir. Ah, and, very funny. Yeah.
0: Now, did you have to tweak your disposition as a manager? Uh, going from musician to co- to comedian, like, did you have to kind of, or they're is still, it? They're is all it artists. It's just so they're all artists. They're all you artists. didn't really. There's not really a big. Not really. Yeah, okay. No. Interesting. Most artists
2: are very lovely people, and there's a few that are a pain in the ass. But you know what? There's a few pains in the ass in the, every office, and every studio, and every network, and right. the local grocery store. Oh so yeah, it's every just business. People are people. You know, people are yeah. people. You do. I mean, look, there is a little bit of a different. I think. One of the reasons I've always been able to relate to artists um, well is that I was raised by artists. So I was raised, like I said, I was on the road from the day I, was, I could fucking walk. Mm-hmm. So I was it's backstage. Right. I mean, So yeah. hanging out with musicians or stagehands or comedians, uh, second nature to me. Mm-hmm. So, and so I don't look at them as, oh, my God, you're the guy on television. I look at them uh, how's it
1: going yeah you actually i have to say you fit in with artists really well we met when i met you it was on a sunday afternoon playing comedian softball and i I thought Is that what we called it? Yeah, well it, we called it softball, but it was I all called it we
2: were kicking you right. It was all comedians.
1: <laughs> but it was all comedians. And I, I was
2: mostly comedians, you're and
1: right. I thought you were when I met you, first of all, you had long hair. Yes. You had a mustache. I did. You looked a little bit like David Crosby.
2: And <laughs> I did. And
1: I I thought you were a comedian. And Wayne Fetterman walked up to the plate and I was uh I was uh, I was catching, and you walked up to bat, and Wayne started heckling you. Yeah, and I thought you were a comedian. I found out in between the innings. Oh no, that's Danny Robinson. He's an agent at APA, and I was like, "There's an agent playing softball with us." <laughs> <laughs> like it seemed like such a foreign concept to yeah. me. Like, isn't that the suit? Yeah, you know. Yeah, we, but you fit right in. Like yeah.
2: you were literally an artist. Oh yeah, we I, I had so much fun. i um, God, the play plays. Uh, co-ed games years and years ago with everybody i mean sarah silverman and Laura yeah. silverman and and yeah it was great we had so much fun those were
1: great games oh, and yeah. mark lana would come out mark and play, play and yeah one of my favorite moments
2: was we were playing a game one time one year and stephen wright who's a client of mine for almost 30 years and still a dear friend and and stephen you know who's a genius and an amazing amazing person um but he's you know, obviously a little key, you know. And we were playing a ball game one day. Mark Lana was we were playing with us, and and Stephen said, "Yeah, well, I want to come and play with us. Great, come on. So Stephen comes out, and Mark and I are standing there. And Stephen comes up to bat, and he fucking whacks a double, and fuck, I mean, he's whipping around first. Really? Half. I mean, he's like a rocket. <laughs> and Mark and I looked at each other. We're like, "Did you know he could move that fast?" I had no idea.
1: He was good. He's docile. You yeah. would never think he You'd would be... never
2: pick it out, and he was fucking just. Busting the balls out
1: Hilarious. Of yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. So how has the comedy business changed since you started in it? And there were well, a very limited amount of stand-ups to where it is now, yeah, I mean, where one, there's a four billion yeah, open I, that's micers? That's the biggest,
2: comics. that's maybe the biggest differences. It's just the numbers. I mean, when I started, I didn't know every comedian, but I probably knew the names of almost every comedian. And I would venture to say I you knew at least half to two thirds right. mm-hmm. to say hello, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Whether I represented them or not, they were just whoa.
0: Well, we'll put that in. Whoa! I just um, good thing it was already empty. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs>
2: um, and it uh, so that's the biggest difference is just the number of people. But that's a good thing in that it shows how the industry has expanded. I mean, it is its own business now. Right. Mm-hmm. Every oh, company. Yes has a comedy division, you know, and now, of course, you go from stand-up to film and television, endorsing, uh, you name it, I mean, you can do whatever you're producing, I mean, obviously writing, directing, everything like that. So it, um, it just expanded exponentially, and then with the birth of cable, and then the expansion of cable, and then streaming, and you name it, now, as we all know, there's a, you know, there's a billion places you can get content. I mean, in the early, 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 early days of, you know, you do something on, like, national, on on the public television stations. Right. And then YouTube came along. And now between YouTube and the internet and, you know, you name it. I mean, there's so many outlets for performers to show their content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, It's overwhelming. I mean, you can't really keep up with it. I mean. One person can't.
1: When I was a kid, you would see, like, I remember the very first HBO comedy special that was ever made who was it robert klein there we go right. and i remember what i do and i remember watching that i was Second a kid one. I want to say George Carlin Steve Martin oh, oh Steve Martin ah, Very, oh George Carlin was the first host of Saturday Night Live yes, yes. but you would see these comedians on Mike <laughs> Douglas and on Merv Griffin <laughs> and on The Tonight Show yep. with Johnny Carson and you couldn't wait to then see them again and yeah. you would sit like oh look who's on Merv Griffin tonight it's David Brenner yeah you know and that was how you got to see them the
0: anticipation yep. would build oh yeah there was no way you couldn't go online there was, right. there was no online there was no, no.
1: going way. online there and were no comedy clubs you yeah. know i mean at yeah. the time it was like the late 70s mid 70s you would only see them on tv and then they would be touring themselves in las vegas
2: yeah they'd be doing nevada they'd be doing right Atlantic, well asian but lang city wasn't even uh, a, big a, back a, a then there were four they, hotels so no, well there was not well, no, no, else gambling back in those days right mm-hmm. um but there were the nightclubs all across the country obviously right um in canada and what have you so um yeah, it just it, it's it's just that's really what it is. It's it's now become a multi platformed part of our business. And it's always been it's always been a part of our business from way before there were comedy clubs or anything like that. There were always comedian comedy was always the staple of television. You know, the Danny uh,
1: Danny, Ca- uh, Danny or no, Danny Thomas
2: Danny, but Danny Thomas, make room for daddy, you know, a lot of all Bilko, are, Phil Bill, Silvers. Exactly, all comedy based shows. Right. And there were no reality shows, but most hosts of game shows, whatever, were funny people. Right. Mm. Whether they were singers, or not, but they were they had personalities. So it was comedy, kind of comedy based. Um, so it's always been a staple in in film and television. It's just gotten a billion times bigger because of the outlets and the, the every. I mean, anybody, literally anybody, can make a TV film. Uh, I mean, oh, a film, yeah. a TV show, a shoot a special. I mean, you 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 can and, do it. And which is a good thing, you know, because before you had to beat and scratch, or you'd have to find, you know, you'd have to find friends that had extra film if you wanted to make a movie, or right. friends who always knew how to do a camera and had lights. So now, you know, I, I could pick up my phone and film us as, as you are right there. I mean, it's it's you know, and it looks really good.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, is there such thing as being overly saturated as a comic because of the accessibility? Well, I think the there's media? such a, I think
2: there's such a thing as overly overly saturated just as an artist Mm -hmm. to an extent. On the flip side, um, that saturation is what helps build your platform. Yeah. So now it's a case of, I believe, since there's so many outlets you can do and there's so much you can do from, you know, from regular television and film to TikTok and, you know, Instagram and you name it. um, Now you have to be, now it's more about Picking and choosing what you want to do, and making sure whatever content you put out there is what you want people to see, because every—I mean, literally, you know, every meal you're making, you're eating. Someone can film you. You know, right. you can film yeah. you and do. Yeah, and um, so the smart ones, uh, there's a way to use social media to your advantage, which, uh, which is a great thing. But I mean, you some people, some people have also had. Uh, um, social media uh, hurt them, too. Oh, sure! You can really you know, ruin I mean, you know, everything uh, in right.
0: 140 characters or less. I mean, yeah. It, yeah,
2: There's
1: a part
0: of me. It's just one yep. ambient. It, it, isn't it the truth? Run wrong
2: hashtag <laughs> oh, and yeah. you're finished.
1: You know, <laughs> there, there's a part of me. Now, you and I have known each other for over 35 years, and there is a part of me that really thinks, as a stand-up comedian who's been doing this for over 30 years, that... With the a massive influx of people who think they're funny that they want to do stand-up and the massive influx of outlet That it's taken the bar down.
2: I don't think so you do not think so I'll tell you why uh, I mean, yeah, it has in the sense that you can get anything out there So in that sense, you're right the bars down, but um this is an old saying which is sounds kind of corny but talent will out right so you can make you know and, and back, going back to Andy Warhol everyone's going to get 15 minutes of fame so there are a lot of 15 minutes of fame folks out there now and the upside to that is you can make a lot of money in 15, in 15 minutes. minutes yeah it's unbelievable but <laughs> whether you're going to have a career still remains to be seen Right. Um, you know, the, you, good point. The Instagram, TikTok, you fucking you know, YouTube, whatever. It's yeah. all great. Yeah. But you do have to you have to shuffle through a lot of the sale rack to find a shirt. Right. You know? And it, it, that's really what it is. And some that you'll find now that are like making tons of money and getting all these accolades not accolades well some accolades but mm-hmm. also all this press, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. Follow I mean. Take yeah. the money and run, baby. You know, yeah. invest that stuff. And now, how many of them will actually be Stephen Wright or Louis CK or you know,
1: right? Long term, long term.
0: How you know, how Taffy well Matt again?
1: Bill Burr. Who bought, was Bill your Burr. client? Yeah. So
0: how I mean, well is it, that shirt made? When you yeah, go, when you yeah, you go yeah. through and you find that yeah, shirt. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Is it
2: quality garment? How many seasons yeah. is it going to so last? The, the, How many washes? Really, you know, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah. the really good performers will be around for a career, you know. And careers are a long time, ebbs and flows, ups right. and downs. Um, yes, they are. You know, I can say that for sure. Yeah. No, but but it's like, but but on the other hand, if you're you know whatever, and and you all of a sudden hit it on TikTok or whatever great you know monetize it that's fantastic and if you can take that next step or two or three or four to get to mainstream and whatever fantastic but i would venture to say most of those people will either do something else or become okay i'm not in front of the camera's sort of over for me for whatever you know, But I could but I know these people that are overly really talented. I'm gonna produce them. Right. Or I'm gonna write for them or I'm gonna become a writer or a director. Or I'm gonna or a lot of them not a lot of them, but a number of them will go into our side of the business. There's a bunch of people in, in our agency and I know every other agency that started as, as musicians talent. or ta- you know, and and you know found out that wasn't really for them but they liked being like people always said like you were talking to me because i was on the road with my folks and i yeah. performed and i always had a good time performing and i am a damn fine dancer i bet but um <laughs> i didn't go into being <laughs> a performer to i didn't go into being a performer and people always said to me oh i didn't you? i didn't go on being a performer? you were good you were funny you, were, you could dance i go yeah i enjoyed i never I never didn't enjoy being in front of a camera or in front of an audience. I, I don't have stage fright right. in that sense. But I never, if you get off the stage or you get off the set, whatever medium you're in, you have to go, you have to be thinking about the next time you're up, what you can do better, what you can do different, whatever. Yeah. I would get off whatever I was on and I I wanted to be good. I wanted people to enjoy it. But my first thought wasn't, I gotta do that again. My first thought was, man, that girl was working with me. She was great <laughs> <But> that guy, he's <laughs> was really uh, talented. I, I want to uh, see him go for it. So yeah. my thoughts were appreciating talent uh, around yeah, me. Right. Yeah. Even though I had a good time and uh-huh. I, I had no problem doing it. And if they said, can you do it again tomorrow night? I'd go, yeah, sure. But I didn't care. And if you don't care and you don't have that fire in the belly, for lack of a better term, get out of the way of others that do.
1: Right. Yes.
0: Yes, Thank you for saying
1: my,
2: that's
0: that. That's my thoughts. That, that though, and brilliant. Thank that. you for
1: saying that. Just like so that. You,
0: and, and you found your niche. You yeah. are very lucky where yeah, you I were was. able. I, you you know, much just, so. you you crescendoed into it, and you. Well, I was lucky. I've always been able
2: to work with people I liked, which is a real.
0: I can tell. Um, privilege. It's, it to be shows. Honest. You know.
2: I mean, I I I jumped around a little bit in the beginning of my life, but then I've been. 43 years at APA, you know,
0: 43 and, years. And it's yeah. just,
2: I, I just don't know how to go anywhere else. That's the problem. <laughs> um, and, and it doesn't seem like uh, you want to. I, I mean, don't have you seem a, pretty. They've escorted you uh, to the door uh, about uh, nine uh, times, <laughs> but it just keeps I, I, coming I was, back to I was work. fired 87, but I they just keep coming back. It just keeps coming back to but, work. But, um, yeah, it, uh, you know, I don't have my Thomas Guide anymore, so it's the only place I know <laughs> where to go, but. Uh, Thomas Guide. It's hilarious. Wheels. Wait, yeah, newspapers so, uh, versus, right? newspaper. But yeah, no, it really is. It, it, I think a large part of the reason that I've been able to do this as long as I have is I, I really do enjoy what I'm doing, and I, I really enjoy artists. But I like the people I work with, and I. I've, I've never had a morning where I've woken up and said, oh, man, I don't want to go to work. I know I have, when I was like, "Oh, this this deal is going to be a nightmare," or this client's going to call me, I'm going to want to put a knife in their head. Right. <laughs> but it had nothing to do with the company I was at, right, and, and the people I was working with. So, which is, you know, I, you know, some, maybe Lucky. to my yeah. to my detriment, Blessed. I would rather be happy where I'm working and be collaborative than jump for you know X amount of dollars because almost everybody I started with that that would take off and left whatever company I was at the time or, you know, would get a better gig or get a client right. got hot or whatever. Literally within 10 to 15 years after that, 99% of them would call me saying, can you help me find something to do? Oh, <laughs> so they made
0: the wrong jump and for the wrong reason. Yeah, you, know, you, know, you, know, you know, there's yeah. a
2: running
1: joke. I don't know if you know this, but you're one of the happiest, most... Um, at peace with yourself, agents. Catch me in the morning. Seriously, <laughs> I have in the in the business. Like people literally look at you and they're like, "How is he an agent?" And there's a saying. Yeah, I've had people
2: say that to and me. And there's either,
1: literally so. a saying. And I've, there's a few people who I've known for many many years. are like, "Yeah, Danny Robinson. What what does he
0: actually do?" <laughs> He's too happy. Yeah, he can't really be he an agent. This yeah, yeah, what does he actually do? <laughs> yeah,
1: Yeah. You know, because you have that demeanor about yourself that doesn't say like, ah, Robert Evans, got to make a deal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah give me ask. 10
2: million. But It's like, you're just not that guy. I think I was lucky in this. I mean, that's that's my personality anyway. But I think I was also lucky is when I, when I did start in the environment at 16, the people around me, we didn't really have anybody at Ashley at the time who was that, I take that back, we had one. But, and he was brilliant. But uh, that was that sort of, stereotypical cigar-smoking, you know, four scotches at lunch kind of guys. They were most, especially in the music division, they were mostly. I mean, I was 16, but they were 25, 24, so, I mean, they weren't that much older than me. Right. And they were still pretty young. Yes, that's why they were that much older than me. (laughs) <laughs> we want to talk to. him.
0: Ah, he said, "You heard the bottle; it fell over." I'm you not a mathematician. Finish the bottle, Danny. I don't. I told him, to just have um, a couple
2: sips. But you're right. I mean, we're, we, you know, we we could, we we related because they had they hadn't been out of school that much longer than you know, so and so I was my my role models, for lack of a better term, were people like Herb Sparrow I talked about, who was mm-hmm. the smartest, nicest, down to earth man you want to know. Um, Artie Patzner, Chuck Ramsey, who I said was right. just salt of the earth. Um, a lot, I mean, a lot of those people, you know, Chip Racklin, who was literally only about two, three years older than me at the time. He was just, and he's still one of my dear friends. And he's just fucking brilliant and mm. amazing and eye for talent and just one of the great people. So, but, so I was around relatively normal people, although wacky, relatively normal. So there were a couple of the old style guys, which was fun to watch, and you learned from seeing them too. You would oftentimes learn what not to do as much as what to do. sure, but it was but it yeah. was fun.
0: I mean, it was you know, well, you're good at what you do. Thank you. so I, you know I, there's, I there's yes, you're blessed and and you know you, you this just seemed to be the natural path for you. Uh, but i I find that when you're when you're in where you're supposed to be you usually will be good at that location if you're where you're supposed to be. And you obviously found your calling and and you're great. I enjoy it. I thank you. you. I do enjoy it. And
2: like I said, it's, um, I I think it comes down to being, you know, happy with yourself, you know, as much as possible. Obviously, there's every, every human has a doubting side. But, uh, yeah, I I would rather, I would rather be, and even in, you know, look, through the 43 years, there's been a couple of Unbelievably horrible times mm, for our business life. and our yeah. for our company sure. in yeah. particular, and you can ride it out if you're with people that you that you believe in, they believe in you, that you trust, and that's uh, I think that's worth its weight in gold for me. Oh, yeah. for your peace of mind.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I think that's great advice. Yeah. Anybody really. who wants to get into w- whatever business, whether it be entertainment or it's a business of of
2: uh, you know following the flashy toy. And Mm -hmm. it's a brutal business. It is – you can get screwed left, right, and center. Um, Oh, yeah. There's many, many, many horrible parts to our industry. Not just our – industry, many industries. Yeah. Um, But on the flip side, you will make friendships that will last through different companies through the ages. Um, You get to be and interact with people who are parts of history – Maybe may be a little grandiose to say. but Not really. But there are moments where you, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm older now that I can say this, but, I mean, I was, you find yourself with things, you go, and, and like, especially when kids come in the mailroom or youngest agents and we'll be talking and um, and we'll start telling stories and they'll look at us like, you were there, you know, and they just only heard about her, they yeah. watched her on television. Right. iconic so artists. So it's, yeah. you know, music, comedy, whatever. Oh, it's of course. It's, um... It's, yeah. It
0: is history. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. It's it's And if you're accepting applications for the mailroom, let me know. <laughs> 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 she brings <laughs> wine. <laughs> oh, that works I right there. The mailroom, so, man. Let, let's just move <laughs> off
1: of your career for a second. And I know you very well. When you are not working, you are probably one of the biggest soccer aficionados yeah. at football for the oh, European. <laughs> How did that come about for you?
2: I was in boarding schools in Westchester. I was at Nyack Boys School. I was around 10. And I played baseball. And I like—I still love foot, American football. Um, and uh, I was going to try out for the football team. And I was very fast. And so they wanted me to be like halfback. And I was like even at a young age, I'm like, I don't want this giant guy knocking me to the ground every 30 seconds. <laughs> you know, and I I could be a good wide receiver, but I was too small. So that I was never going to be a wide receiver, even though it was fast and I could catch. You know, it's never going to happen. Then some friends that I knew was, were playing soccer. And that was, in, in the public schools, even back east, back in those days, there wasn't soccer. Out west, they didn't hear about soccer. Right. But I, um, but they had it back east i mean um out back east yeah and uh because there were a lot of south american kids puerto rican kids european kids and i looked over that and i'm like oh, i've heard about soccer i've seen it. oh that looks kind of cool i think i could you know from a dancing family and go with my feet i'm fast so i went over and i started playing and i just fell in love with it right away and i i found that a guy my height, I mean I'm only five foot five now, so back right. then I was, you know, five foot two or and you're six one with ego. I, <laughs> six one with my sneakers <laughs> off. But um and I, I fell in love with the game, but I also found that I was good at it. Because a guy my height, you know, you can you know, if you're a striker in a soccer club and you're fast, doesn't matter how big the defenders are, if you can get around them you know, you can do okay. So I just, I started playing at that moment and just, and we had, and then when I got to Hackley, we had, uh, our coach was a Dr. Zaba, who was our science teacher, but also played for Hungary when he was young man. And he, uh, so he taught us the real European style of football. Like I said, we had British exchange students, we had South American exchange students. So I got to play and learn with people that was part of their culture. And I I loved it so I've just ever since then I've just always loved the game first game I ever and of course there was no soccer on television right oh days, not here first time I ever yeah. saw a, a professional game on television was while we were wide world of sports the 66 uh world cup when England right beat West Germany
1: well we have 60 seconds to wrap this up or here we, we lose everything we've Recorded. So, um, seriously, you are a massive LA Galaxy fan. Yes, I am. With tremendously great season tickets. Yes. You're one of the top agents in the comedy business for the last 40 some odd years and one of uh, the
2: nicest people
1: I've ever known in my life. Appreciate that.
0: I agree. Thank you for having me on. You guys are great. I mean,
2: we're all personal friends here, but I like what you. We
0: are. We're going to the LA Galaxy. Yeah, they're coming. Actually, you have (laughs) (laughs) you have tickets, and you so graciously invited us. I'm now addicted to the LA Galaxy. (laughs) I never knew I had a love for football. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I mean, we yes, I'm a Ted it. Lasso fan, but I had no idea that, that yeah. I would get so into it. These games are so great. Oh, it's they're nuts. so, so fun. It's and nuts. the fan base is ginormous. They go crazy. It, and it, it's okay. All right. Yep, the fan base is ginormous. Yeah. And it's, uh, we have another hour. Oh, so, look at us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who, and, knew? And
2: Who knew? And I, I
0: had no idea that this existed. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. The LA Galaxy. Go... Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we we get there and it's like just lines of people, and they're you know at the what do you call that tailgating or yeah it was tailgating. yeah tailgating yeah, it was like yeah American
2: football they all come out early and yeah oh
0: and I yeah I just I absolutely love that whole culture that I, that I'm getting to know. I mean, now. You
1: and, really know the game. It's insane. Yeah. Like you got up what time this morning to watch soccer?
2: Four thirty. Four
1: thirty in the morning. To get-
2: Arsenal.
0: Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> I. So I, I wonder when I said we have another hour, the listeners are like, "Oh man, you got to be kidding me! <laughs> Can
1: you get back to the famous shit already? Yeah. Enough so of the, the enough gonna, of the like, soccer. It's not even a, a real sport. It's like
0: being in a comedy show that <laughs> never ends. It's like just eight more comics. No, uh, yeah, right. No, but we, uh, but no, we we will wrap. And I just, but I, I do want to ask something that if you know people sure. want to get into being a, a manager or an agent, agent or whatever, yeah. and Today, what would the steps be? Well, it's the same as
2: ever. I mean, people always say to me the years said how do i get in to be a studio or an agent or manager and i go just get in it doesn't matter where right in the mailroom, sweeping the floors i don't care what it is intern right find an intern program through your college get in once you're in and you can meet people and then you and, and then look and read and learn and ask every question mm-hmm. um but I mean, the mailroom, it it sounds like a cliche, but that usually is the easiest way to get in there. But on the flip side, uh, if you have some friends or whatever, you can go on the road as a roadie with a band. Sure. Or become a personal assistant to a comedian or an actor. Just get in. Once you're in, then you can navigate and then people can see your talents and your passion. you know, I, I remember there was a friend of mine in New Year and she was a lovely girl, but she was like, Oh, I can I can break a script down better than any of these studio executives blah, 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 blah. And she like never ever and I'd say, Well, I get you, you know, a gig, you know, assisting someone with this place or you know, and she goes, Oh, I don't wanna sit and type And I go, Well you know, neither did I, but you know what? I had you know, I had to. It's what we all do. Mm-hmm. And she and she just, you know, and she just never did it. And I, I remember saying to her one time, I was like, Look You can sit in the outside and look through the window and say, "I should have that corner office," but you know what? You're not going to get it standing out here. Right. right. You got to go in the basement, and then you work your way up to that corner office.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of the same with almost any industry.
2: Any industry. Yeah, it is. It is. It's not. It's not a magic.
0: No. Now, are
2: are there some steps sometimes that can be stepped over because of personal relationships, whatever? Sure. But the people that last are the people that learn learn the basics make the connections. And it's also more satisfying when you do it that way too. Look, are there managers out there that have come along that they were just best friends with a, a guy or a girl that was extremely talented and they went, that's my manager. Right. Yeah, but the smart ones eventually hooked up with someone else and learned before their friends found out they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Right. <laughs> to someone
1: uh, else. You know, when I was young, starting out in show business, and I mean, I started at 18. I got on a soap opera at a young age. I, didn't, I started doing stand-up at 20. Uh, I had a teacher once who said to me, this business is a little nutty, and there's really no rules to it, but there are ways to create longevity. And one thing I can tell you is, who you know might get you there but what you know will keep you there. Yeah,
0: it won't sustain yes. you. who you know very, won't very sustain you there. Yeah, you, no, yeah, you, you have, you have that's to. That's very,
2: absolutely right. Yeah, you're right. We, we're, we're an industry with no rule. There are, there are rules, but they're loose. Right. And they, they can be bent here and there depending on the talent. But I've said this to many, many artists. I was like, I said, look, this, you know, because it's, it's a tough business in the sense that, you know, you get a show, it doesn't go. You get a, an album, it doesn't hit like you thought of it, whatever it might be. And it, it's hard. It's depressing because you put your heart and soul. it. sure. Even if many times they're really good, but if the public doesn't isn't ready for it at that time, yes. it's not going to happen. And a friend of my years and years ago, is um, their pilot, and it was a really cool pilot. Was like, oh, it's going to be great. he'd got in the air. And it didn't go. You know, and it was good. And he was, like, he was just destroyed. And he's like, um, oh, man. I go, yeah, it sucks. You were great in it. You're, you know. It's too bad I didn't go, it's a fun show. I said, but you know what? I said, look, like, you're in a business where there's no rules. I said, I take that back, there's one rule, I can, one guarantee. No guarantees in our business, but I can give you one guarantee. It's not the last film or television show that's being made, you'll right. have another mm. chance. Yes. You know, it,
1: that's a really interesting thing that you would say because I, you and I work together and I have said things to you in the past, like I haven't you know, done this yet, or I haven't done it. and you said, you know what, there's no book there's not a book that tells you how to go about being no. a working uh, he there says there there was, a book. if there was if there was if there's <laughs> tips one to six we'd all be
2: stars that's exactly what you said that was exactly what you said
1: if there was a book that told you how to conquer this business everybody uh, would be working there'd yeah. be no starving actors yeah, yeah. Right. exactly and there isn't you just have to really on top of having the talent you have to love it so much that nothing is going to deter you from the continuation of your pursuit
2: knowledge of the business too i taught for a bunch of years at ucla and i still go around teach Mm. Um, and the business of comedy i called it but it was like basically just the business of business right And, and and it was to indoctrinate it was mainly aimed at people that were performers although i had a lot of people that were agents and managers too but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> to tell them to show them that okay obviously if, if you're a performer no matter whether you're a writer, director, comedian, musician, doesn't matter. Obviously the first thing you want to perfect is your craft because that's your talent. But the more you know about what you're going into. Just you don't have to know enough to, you know, negotiate better than your lawyer, but you just have to know the parameters and know the the players as you meet them. What is the, you know, what is the purpose of a comedy club owner, or a rock and roll promoter, uh, you know, studio executive, you know, this, you know, what do they do? And also, what do people charge? Because a lot of kids that come in from nowhere, I mean, now with the Internet, obviously, it's a lot easier. But back in those days, you know, they just walk in town, and go, what? You know, um, yeah, as long as you know what the parameters are. And so that when your manager and agent or lawyer, whoever comes to you and says, look, you have an opportunity to do this, at this money, at this thing, and this is what the you know the contract terms are and whatever, you'll know what they're talking about enough to be able to know. Now, you can always ask them questions. That's why you pay them to advise you. But when they say stuff to you, you want to have a basic knowledge of what they're saying to you. Um, the only time I've ever gotten... Annoyed, not only time, but one of the biggest complaints I've ever had with people I've worked with in the past, and it hasn't happened that often, is I never want to hear an artist say to me, "I'll just tell me where I am next Tuesday." Oh, so yeah, that's know. the guy who's not yeah. really yeah. Paying, attention not paying attention to the, to the business to aspect of the yeah. business. Yeah, not yeah just you know, uh, yeah, look, it's my job to make your, but then your, your, your gigs and stuff. Secretary but you, your their secretary, it's your career. Agent. Yeah, when I go home, I mean, I, I'm I, I, I blood, sweat, and tears for my artists. And yes, I, you do. I'm big, you know, but. When I go home, I have me, and also I have a list. So when I am I doing my business, I want to push the people I really think are great. But realistically, if they go, oh, I like this one, I like, them. yeah, they're great, you know, they're nice but not right. Or this one, nah, he was here before. whatever. How about? And then I go, okay, how about Bill? How about Mary? How about? F-? And they go, oh, okay, Mary's good, you know. Whatever. So my, I have options. When the artist goes home, they don't have any options. Right. The, this is their it's business.
0: It's you. It's you. And so yeah.
2: know as much as you can uh, uh, uh how to help yourself get ahead after obviously your talent is your first thing. Right. Talent um, is
0: first thing. Just, I hope everyone it really It's just better
2: <laughs> to know. It's just better to know. Here's
1: that. What what is the saying? It should be called business show not show business because it's oh. 90% business and yeah. 10% yeah.
0: show. Oh. But ultimately, I like that. but yeah. ultimately Isn't show is
2: what drives the train. I yeah. Mean, yeah,
0: you have to have the yeah. talent. But yeah, but and I mean, work on that ta- that passion, I, yeah, right? Exactly. They say talent is overrated. I know that that's kind of a controversial thing sometimes. Talent, but the passion is that, that it starts with a passion, and then you build upon that passion.
2: It, it, been, then, yeah, look, I've, I've seen. I'm sure you I like guys that. have too. I've seen people that are ridiculously talented, but they have something missing in their persona.
0: Mm. That lets
2: them get to those next levels. They're afraid the old, the old scared of success and all mm-hmm. the stories we've all heard. And people shoot themselves in the foot and like that. I mean, forget about the drugs and stuff like that. That that's have been happening for years and will continue. Sadly, yeah. but the, the, there's yeah. you know, yes, you can have the talent, but it the you have to have talent and some charisma and some drive um, to go along with it. And uh, if you if you don't. You're gonna be that, that person that they're gonna say twenty five years from now. Yeah, she had she had it. Whatever happened to her.
1: Right. And you can have all that stuff and still try to do it all right. And again, success happens when luck meets opportunity. Yep. And you know, it sometimes you just have to really wait. Yeah. and wait. And Morgan Freeman is a guy who didn't see his just do until his late sixties yeah. when he got driving Miss Daisy. Yeah. You know, so sometimes uh, like you said And
2: there's the flip side of there's people that I know that, that hit it relatively big at a very, very early age.
0: And that was and it. by the time they're 30,
2: they're like, who, what? Right. Uh,
0: yeah. they. Well, if that doesn't make you uh, want to not have anything to do with the entertainment industry, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. still are interested, send what? your application for yeah. the mailroom. Yeah. To Danny Robinson, <laughs> <laughs> Agency
2: for the Performing Arts. Every time
0: I teach, I say that. I go, i, I, I Part of my
2: job here is to scare off those uh, of you that really yeah. shouldn't be in the business. It's you true. Weed out yeah. that it It really of, is true. Um, this yeah, the
0: billions of comedians. Right this, now. this
2: episode will either
1: make you really <laughs> run for the hills and say showbiz is not for me, <laughs> right. or it will inspire you yeah. Yeah. to really feel that fire in your belly as you yeah, put yeah. it, and know that it's the only place you need to be. And, and
2: you're gonna meet. You're gonna meet meet and make great friends on whatever level, whether you're production agent, manager, artist. You, you make relationships that last forever yeah. literally forever yeah and
0: uh, especially it's when fun. you're
2: you and it's stuff you can't you you, you you can't you can't replicate it in any other business except maybe sports
1: right which is also a little bit of show. Sports is show business, so sports. correct. Cleats, yeah. yeah.
0: And cleats. <laughs> there is no, there is no replica of Danny Robinson. That's for sure. So I, I we're very, I very I've very been grateful. to Madame Tussauds. There's not they, one. Thing <laughs> there's not. It's, it's you're the real deal. Thank you. And we're so, so appreciative. Oh, that my you, pleasure, you anything know, for uh, you guys. Uh, and, uh, like let us into your. I, I think they really had me and, on the
2: show because. There's more wine for them th- th- since th- I don't. It's drink. more
0: more wine for <laughs> us. And and he, he's got you. free
2: tickets and to, and we're the going, and we're going to the galaxy.
0: to the galaxy. That's what it's going to be a blast. No, and I can
1: I can honestly say, Danny, over the last 35 years, I have learned more from you than almost any than anybody I've ever known in the industry. And I don't know how to thank you for not only being a friend, but a partner and an advisor and a representative and any, any other word I can possibly come up with. But thank you so much more My so pleasure. than all of that for. Being a guest today.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. Tons of fun. All right, we that could talk fun. for another hour, but but maybe um, we'll, we'll, we'll have you back out another out time.
1: Odyssey. Maybe we'll come back
0: another time over some ale, Danny, ale beer. 2.0. A little, little bit of beer. Okay. And thank and you, and
1: you, you for having me as a co-host oh, today.
0: It wasn't yeah. so bad. I actually <laughs> yeah, so so <laughs> heard on the radio
2: yesterday that uh, Gareth Bale, you know, the big superstar from Wales, is putting out Bale Ale. Oh, oh, boy. Hell. All, all the proceeds are going to go to uh, help uh, the, the kids and stuff in
0: wales oh. to promote you know kids learning and oh, playing soccer well, i will buy it just Let's for that i'm reason. To try it once at least i will buy it just for that drink reason. drink it tonight at the galaxy thank you everyone you thank you danny thank you rich chasler and thank you all for tuning in to drinking during business hours see you soon